What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. Today, in anticipation of the Snyder Cut of Justice League, Rob and I are here again, but this time we are going to talk about Batman v Superman, and not just any version, but the Ultimate Edition. And I know Rob has been super pumped to talk to me putting <laughs> him through this uh but rob <laughs> nonetheless we are here um batman v superman and again the ultimate edition so even longer how are you feeling right now do you even want to talk to me um so this film um look, look there's there's a lot of ways that you can kind of test a friendship to see where you rank with somebody, like how strong your friendship is. You know, if, uh, if you ask somebody to move and they come over and they help you move, like that's, that's a real test of friendship. Like, so that's a real friend that'll do that for you. If you get really, really hammered and you need someone to come pick you up at the bar or party that you're at, like a really good friend will do that for you. Like those are the kind of people that you, you know, you can count on. Um, there's a different kind of friend that's willing to rewatch <laughs> this movie for you. And it's, it's, uh, it's even more of, of dedication than uh, helping somebody move or, uh, or picking up a hammered friend at a bar. Um, because wow, this is, so the ultimate edition, it's longer. It does give some uh, it does make it a better movie, but it's it's not a good movie to begin with. There's some really bad choices made. There's some really nonsensical things that just don't add up. I know we're going to get into the Save Martha thing. It's been so overdone to the point now where it's not even funny to make fun of it anymore, but I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. Um, the real conflict in this movie is not Batman v Superman. I mean, I know we're, we're kind of in pre-spoiler territory here, but we'll get, I'll get, I'll go light spoiler for a second. The real conflict in this is this movie V common sense, this movie V yeah. a cohesive plot, this movie V this movie's audience. That's, that's the real conflict here uh, because the two characters barely spend time on screen and, and certainly only f- actually truly fight for like, I don't know, maybe maybe 10 to 15 minutes of, of actual conflict time on screen. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think with this movie, though, there's so much that we really can't talk about it without it being spoilers. So, Rob, I think in the interest of being able to actually talk about this, I think this is one of those things where we just warn the listeners that, Listen, in order to talk about this movie, guys, it it needs to be spoiler talks. There's really no way for, at least in my opinion, us to talk about this movie and say, well, quite frankly, I didn't like it. Uh, That's basically my my two minute warning that we usually do for these. So, uh, you know, listeners, if for any reason you haven't seen Batman v Superman or you haven't seen the ultimate edition. Uh, it is streaming on HBO max. That's how I watched it. And Rob, I think that's how you watched it as well. Right? Yeah. Um, I'd not actually seen the ultimate edition before. Um, so I was kind of curious to see what those extra 31 minutes, uh, are. And for any of the listeners who have not taken the time to rewatch this movie and trust me, I don't blame you. Uh, if you're curious about what those extra 31 minutes are, uh, we will cover that later. Yeah, so I think, listen, for anybody who's listening to the show, uh, this is the point where if you don't want spoilers, uh, 
let's go ahead and pause this episode because Rob and I are going to start talking about Batman v Superman <laughs> in full. Uh, Rob, I, I want to start off because we're going to have a lot to talk about in terms of negative. Uh, but I'd like to start off with some positive because there is. Um, number one, and it wasn't this way at first, and this is how I feel, but Ben Affleck, there was not a lot of, I would say, faith in his casting. I think he's the best part of this movie. Uh, not only is Bruce Wayne, his costume as Batman is unbelievable. And the opening scene that we get with this movie, which is a flashback to Man of Steel, but showing Bruce going you know, through rubble and buildings collapsing and driving, trying to get to his business to save his workers. Uh, that That is Bruce Wayne. I thought he played this part amazing. And I think anybody really that I have ever talked to or seen, they kind of were eating their words when they were like, oh, he's going to be terrible. Why would they cast this guy? I, I think hands down, he's the best part of this movie. Uh, where, where do you stand on him as Batman? In, know, this, I, in this film. In this film particularly. So um, you're right. When the announcement was made that we were getting Batfleck, um, there was a very strong fan reaction to that casting. I think a lot of people were thinking back to Daredevil, which was the last time we'd seen Ben Affleck in a superhero role. And um, if you know anybody personally that remembers that movie fondly, um, I, I don't know anybody. I, you know, you might be the only person I know who knows somebody who likes that movie because <laughs> it is it's pretty much a dumpster fire by all accounts. Um, it is worse than this movie. And I do not like this movie, by the way. Um, so, look, if fans were apprehensive, um, you know, I, I very much am kind of a wait and see sort of guy. You know, we've got Robert Pattinson cast as Batman coming up. Um, I believe principal photography has wrapped um, as, as we sit here recording today. Um, my initial thought when they announced him was, ugh, the Twilight guy. Um, but then I sort of thought about it a little bit more and, uh, I'm willing, I'm almost always willing to give somebody a chance. You know, I, I think there was, I'm always remembering the, the blowback that Heath Ledger got when he was announced as Joker and people lost their minds about that. And all of a sudden that <laughs> then the movie releases and they're like, Oh, Oh wow. That was special. Like, wow. How did yes. I, how did I not know that? Um, so I don't typically allow myself to have really strong like negative reactions to casting choices before we have a chance to see them in action. Um, but to your point, you know, Ben Affleck in this film is actually very good. I, I enjoyed the interaction between him and uh, Jeremy Irons character. Um, you know, it's a different take on Bruce Wayne. It's a different take on Batman. It's definitely a different take on Alfred. You know, Alfred is, is less the Butler and more of, um, you know, he's, he's still showing the, a little bit of the fatherly love, um, but not as much as what we kind of get in the comics. He's, he's really begrudging and he's, <laughs> he's kind of bitter at times, even, you know, in their relationship. Um, you he know, also shouts trust. out of the, the Eddie Bauer catalog uh, exclusively. Yes. I don't know what's <laughs> up with his outfit sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, no tuxedos for him, but uh, look, we get a Batman who kills which um, that is something that I think was very controversial about this choice. Uh, Snyder explicitly came out and said, my Batman kills deal with it. 
uh, and was kind of confrontational about it from from my recollection. Um, and and I've always sort of thought that makes more sense. Like you're telling me there's no chance that Batman's fighting a whole bunch of Joker goons on the top of a building. Okay. Right. I mean, as it always happens, like he never ever once kicked some dude and that dude tripped and fell off the building. Like that's never happened. Like really? Like there's never been a time where he was driving around in his Batmobile chasing after somebody and uh, you know, shot a rocket or something like that. And that car blew up. Like he's never killed like, no, never once. So it's never really held up and to try to have him pull punches on film in a way that's going to make sense just really doesn't make sense. So go for it. Make him, if if you're going to have him 20 years on the job and kind of jaded and kind of bitter and, and kind of, you know, even darker and, and more violent than what we get in the comics, um, go for it. Let it, let it happen. Yeah, I think that's one of the things and a lot of my praise is just going to continue to be for Batman. And I I have to give Snyder credit in terms of if this is the character that he wanted to portray, obviously had an idea, um, Ben executed that idea. But, you know, this is a Batman that you can see more so than anybody else. And to me, it's believable because of how long he's been doing it. You know, Christian Bale in movie time, he really was only Batman. I think for like four years, um, by the time that trilogy was done, you know, you had Michael Keaton, let's forget about Val Kilmer and George Clooney, yes, but <laughs> you know, this, this Batman, like you said, he's been doing this for 20 years. Obviously there's a scene where he walks by, you know, Robin's costume and it's confirmed that he had been killed by the Joker. You know, this is a Batman who has been through everything. There's a line later in the film where he talks to Alfred and again, just a very good emotional scene. And he says, you know, 20 years in Gotham, Alfred, how many good guys are left and how many of them stayed that way? Um, This is a Batman that's just he's he's tired of it and he's defeated and it's played so well in this movie. I think that's one of the reasons why the latter half is so disappointing when he just, you know, basically drops to his knees and balls his eyes out. He doesn't really do that, but because he shares the same name with Superman's mom, like their mother share the same <sighs> name. And it's just, there's yeah. so many other ways you could have gotten to that, but um, he just has so much emotional weight. Rob, another scene is, when he's sitting there in um, the mausoleum or whatever it is on Wayne property where his parents are buried, he says to Alfred, he says, I'm older now than my father ever was. And this might be the most important thing I do with my life in regards to stopping Superman. That scene carries a lot of emotional weight. I felt that like, I was like, wow. Like, like think about that. Like this guy has, you know, outlasted you know his father was taken from him that's sorry quick change of pace here why did we have to see his parents getting shot again and in slow motion i never need it like oh my god we know his parents were shot but the line about him you know being older than his father i think that was another great scene um rob you know some more of the stuff that i've talked about i just there's so much praise for me with, with Ben Affleck in this movie. I just, I I can't stop thinking about how good he was. You know, I think there's, 
I think he's underrated at times because, you know, certainly like we already said, Daredevil was not good. Um, Armageddon was kind of cheesy and he was kind of cheesy in it. Um, but as he has gone through his career and he was in a couple of rom-coms here and there, he was in one with Sandra Bullock. I can't remember the name of it, but you know, forces I, of nature or something like that. I think it was on like, I think my- you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting if you're into that sort of thing. Um, so I, I think for a while people didn't quite know what to expect. You know, I think in a lot of cases, Actors tend to get pigeonholed into certain types of roles. You have your serious actors, your comedic actors. They don't always cross over. They sometimes do, but they they typically stay in their lane. And I think for a while, people didn't really know what to expect from Affleck. And, um, you know, I, I just don't think he gets the credit for actually being very talented. Um, and and I really enjoyed him Um you know, both in this and in Justice League. And, and I'm excited to see, you know, later this week when the Snyder Cut finally drops uh, of Justice League, I'm excited to see what that actually looks like. Um, because, uh, yeah, he was definitely a highlight for me. Um, you know, but there's, I, I agree with you 100%. If I never see Uncle Ben get killed, Thomas and Martha Wayne get killed, the pearls falling into the street, if I never see those things ever again on film, I will be fine. I will totally be fine. Everybody knows Batman's parents were murdered by Joe Chill in Crime Alley when they were done seeing Zorro. Every sentient human being in this galaxy, and probably the next one over, knows this and has seen it a hundred times. We don't need it. And if, by some weird chance, there was somebody watching this movie who didn't understand that Batman's parents were killed. And that's what drove him to uh, take this vow that he fights this war on crime and he falls down the hole in the well and he sees the bats come at him. And that's where he gets his inspiration. Like we've seen this so many times. It is so baked into the Batman, you know, just the, the legend Um, it's, it's unnecessary to put it on film. It, and, and it doesn't do anything for this. The one thing I will say is it's kind of funny seeing Maggie and Negan from The Walking Dead as husband and wife. Like, that's just kind of funny to me. Right. Um, and every time I see it, it kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit for me because that's that's how I know those characters. That's, you know, that's how I saw them before I had seen this. Um, but I just, I never need it again. We get it. If for whatever reason you don't know it, I promise you have a friend who will explain it to you. We don't need it on film. Yeah, you get it twice in this movie actually because they reshow it later on. So not only did we have to see it once in super slow motion, uh, you see it again with the cringeworthy scene that we'll be sure to bring up later on in the review. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, we talked about the fact of okay, the opening scene. He, he's great. The costume is great. His relationship with Alfred is fantastic. And again, I think Henry Cavall is incredibly passable, I I think, um, as Superman. I think he does a good job. I think he looks good, but he doesn't really he doesn't stand out in this movie. And maybe that's because of how well Ben Affleck is, but you know, he's a low point for me, but really the only other really shining part of this movie that I'd like to talk about a little bit is wonder woman. And even though we don't get her a lot, her scenes as just Diana, I like, and you know, this movie introduced us to 
the Wonder Woman score where she drops down, uh, jumping ahead to save Batman from what they claim is doomsday. Uh, um, <laughs> her, her theme is unbelievable. Uh, she like, this was the first, you know, character for her to say, this is wonder woman. This is the first time we see her before she had her solo films. And I think she nails it in this role. And again, credit to Snyder for casting her, uh, seeing something in her. Cause again, she was another one. She's too skinny. She doesn't have enough muscle, blah, 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 blah. She's going to be terrible. And then again, uh, you know, all of these people eat their words and they're like, Oh, she's really good. So she was another bright spot of this movie for me. Uh, Rob, what were your thoughts on her? You know, um, seeing this initially, um, yeah, you know, Gal Gadot um, was not a name I was familiar with at all. Uh, I couldn't actually tell you anything else she's been in without having to cheat and look it up. Um, but if you think about just, I mean, let's be real. Trying to make somebody look like they do in the comics is not realistic. Everybody in the comics would require like, you know, 30 years of steroids and like, you know, kale smoothies right. to look the way they do. Like, it's just, you're not going to get it. Like, just give up. Don't, don't demand something that a, a true human form is not intended to look like. It's just, you're never going to get it. Like it, for the people complaining that Gal Gadot is too skinny, like, what are you going to do about Colossus then? Like when we eventually get Colossus, how are you going to do that? Like, what, what are you going to, where are you going to find that guy? Like, you know, you're just going to have the mountain from game of Thrones play literally every muscular character ever. Like, no, that's, that's stupid. Um, but I, I really enjoyed her. We didn't get much, you know, and, and what I will say, I've accused this movie over the years of trying to do way too much. I, I think that for trying to really, you know, this was basically a sequel to man of steel, um, that was supposed to kickstart their, their connected universe. So they're trying to kickstart that connected universe. They're trying to introduce us to a new Batman. They're trying to introduce us to a new Lex Luthor. More on that later, I'm sure. They're trying to introduce us to a new Wonder Woman who's on a feature film for the very first time. Um, they're trying to introduce us to Doomsday. Ugh, more on and, that later. And Jeff <laughs> and Jeff Files, by the way. Yeah, um, they're they're trying to introduce us to, uh, you know, they're trying to do the death of Superman storyline. Like they're trying to do all of these things in, in one film. And we don't even actually care about any of this yet, by the way. Like we've got just Man of Steel to make us care about the Superman characters. The rest of this stuff, and, and I'm sure we'll get to it later, but, you know, this film was trying to do too much. Going back to Wonder Woman, though, I feel like just the little tastes we got of her as Diana um, kind of slipping in and out and you know it, Bruce being a master detective is used to kind of dominating these conversations and tricking people and getting them to give up information when he needs it um, he was not ready for Diana to be better at that than he is because she's hundreds of years old you know, right. she's been doing this much longer than him, is much better at it than him. And it's kind of a savage. And I really enjoyed seeing her kind of beat him in those scenes when they're kind of in their alter egos. Um, we only got little tastes of it, but I think that made me even more excited to see Gal um, take on the role of Wonder Woman and and see what happens further. Um, certainly, I think her 
her film, um, the original Wonder Woman film, was is by far the, the shining uh, best example of what uh, DC could do, um, and it's it's really a very good movie. Um, but I think just giving us a little bit here and there was enough to get us more interested for more of her in the future, and it's one of the few things that I think was done very well with this. Yeah, you know, you talk about her kind of one-upping him, and I do like the line because we you know, we, the audience know who she is. Bruce doesn't, but when they're both at the party and it's when he first meets Clark, but he's questioning her about what she stole from him. And he says, you know, again, I might not have the exact line, but I'm guessing nine out of 10 men would let you get away with anything, especially in that dress. Um, And she's like, Oh, you're the ninth or you're the 10th. And he's like, no, I'm the first. And, you know, he says, I know women like you, but you don't know anybody like me. And she's like, "Mm, I don't think you know anybody like me, buddy. Um, (laughs) Like the way that she delivers the line again, like she she just seems so confident in this role that like "Mm, you not you don't know what you would be getting into right now, buddy. Like, um, like I'd snap you if I wanted to. But uh, um, but yeah, I liked her a lot. I thought she was great. And it's weird too to say because Rob, you know, we're later on in this episode at the end, we're going to, because of anticipation of Justice League, uh, the Snyder Cut, we're going to list how we rank out these movies. And I have this movie higher than some other one. So it's it's gonna be funny to talk about how much I actually don't like the DCEU um, as a whole. Yeah. So, but that'll be for later on. So let's talk about what doesn't work in this movie because there's, <laughs> there's a lot. Um, and, but wait, there's more. We can right, do yeah, that all and, night. <laughs> I mean, the, the first thing is in the ultimate edition, it is cleared up and we can talk about that more. But this movie, even with the Ultimate Edition, there still doesn't really... There's so many plot holes of everything just seems to be a coincidence or just the most convenient luck in the world for how these events line up. Even with the Ultimate Edition... I still cannot get, and it's part of that opening scene, uh, the opening moments of the movie. Why would anybody in their right mind all of a sudden believe that Superman just burned all of these people when Lois goes to Africa? They try to explain it more in the Ultimate Edition that they were burned by flame f- flamethrowers, so they would think it was his heat vision. Uh, the theatrical version is just like you literally sit there and go, "What?" wait a minute, what, what, uh, how is Superman involved in this? Like, how did this get to point A to point B? Uh, But even with the extended edition, I don't understand where the story's going and how its characters get, like I just said, from A to B. It's literally just, it's not even spoon fed. I, I don't know how else to describe it other than Rob. I think you said it best before we did this review it just doesn't make sense. You just scratch your head and go, how did we get here? So that hostage scene, I do want to talk about some a piece that I do like from that. And there's, we see a little bit of darkness to Superman in that hostage scene that we don't normally see from him. That's very rarely how he's portrayed. 
Um, typically, he's the big blue Boy Scout. That's mm-hmm. kind of one of his many nicknames. And he's kind of boring that way. And you talked a little bit about Henry Cavill and his his portrayal of Superman, and and I I think it's I think he's I think he looks the part, and that's uh, that uh, that's great. And I think he does a very very serviceable job. Um, but Superman's kind of a boring character to play, you know. In and a lot of times in the comics, because he is invincible, he really has no major weaknesses. The only way to usually make him interesting was to try to you know expose his secret identity or to try to harm the people around him. You know, Lois gets captured like every fourth issue. You know, Jimmy Olsen gets captured, like Perry gets captured, Martha gets captured, like everybody gets captured or taken hostage or, or whatever. That's the only way to make Superman interesting. Um, but you're right. There's so much of this film that relies on happenstance, you know, random chance, lazy writing. I'm going to start with the whole premise of their conflict being stupid. Batman hates Superman because, and I think I have this accurate, because some things blow up while he is fighting a supervillain. Um, that, yeah, Batman doesn't have that happen ever, does he? There's, there's never like whole buildings that fall down. He's not chasing supervillains through the city on, you know, bat planes, bat boats, bat bikes, bat cars. Like he never has collateral damage ever. Like there's an entire storyline in, in bat comics recently. I want to say it was the white Knight series where they talk about the Batman fund that is literally set up to pay for the insurance damage caused by Batman chasing supervillains. Like, so he, he doesn't understand that when you're fighting supervillains, there's collateral damage. And sometimes these things happen, like buildings fall because the bad guy was fighting and you had to stop him. Like, that's that's why he hates Superman. Like he doesn't understand that himself. He's been on the job for 20 years and he's a Batman who kills. How does how does he not understand that? I am I missing something, Matt? You know, I I think the more that you watch this, like when I first watch it, I kind of understood where he was coming from. And it was, yes, I may, you know, I have super villains and things like that. But again, it would be kind of the way it was to me is it would be hard for one of his super villains to do the kind of global damage that Superman would do. Um, so at first I was like, okay, he's thinking about this as a whole, like, okay, Gotham City gets destroyed and I pay for it to get rebuilt. But Superman could basically just take this planet and crumble it. And I think there's still a way for him to be upset over that. But I don't think, you know, as awesome as the opening scene is where he sees Superman and Zod flying through the building, it still isn't enough motivation for me to sit there and say he hates this guy with a passion. If anything, there's been animated shows that have done this much better. He would investigate this guy a lot more. He would know, you know, he would know everything there is to know about this guy. And I think what we really needed is we needed separate movies. We didn't need these two, you know, and I know however this came to be, we needed more individual movies where Batman and Superman we're able to maybe come at, at, at odds. And I think one of the things that needed to happen is before we got Batman V Superman, we needed justice league. 
we needed a reason for them to fall apart, which would have been more emotional. If it was, I'm a superhero, you're a superhero, this threat is coming, let's team up. I think if we would have gotten more team-up movies, this could have had a huge emotional impact to where these guys are just different like their different beliefs and how they get things done. Something happens where this Batman and his mindset of not only does he kill people, like I don't think maybe that's what a lot of fans had a super problem with. Um, he obliterates people because let's not forget in Batman returns, Michael Keaton throws a bomb in someone's pants and kicks him down a sewer. Uh, so it's not like Batman hasn't killed on screen before. I don't know if that was the problem, but Rob, like when he's in the Batmobile, that one chase scene, he tears these guys to shreds with bullets. Um, so I think maybe that was a little jarring for fans, but I, yeah, I just don't understand the motivation. It doesn't really hit to me because I can't stop thinking about how much more weight it would have had, had these two fallen apart instead of just being, and I'm putting air quotes up here at odds. Um, for 11 minutes of let's fight. Think back to, and there's going to be a lot of comparisons between this film and Captain America three civil war. Naturally. Um, think back to how you felt when Tony Stark said the line. So was I referencing mm -hmm. Steve Rogers calling Buck, uh, Bucky a friend. Um, the, even they, they released that in the trailer for the movie and I felt it like that yes. had an emotional impact on me. Um, the only reason I care about in this, in the, in the scope of this film, the only reason I actually care about the conflict and the fight between Batman and Superman is not because of anything that's happened in this film or the film that precedes it in the DCU timeline. It's based on everything that we know about these characters from years of films, comics, you know, TV shows, animated specials, all of these things. Um, that's the only reason I care about their fight and, and the, why it has any resonance at all. I could not agree more that we needed to see their, their be built up in some way so that when they do come into conflict with one another, there's something there that matters. It means something. Um, you know, there's just, there's so many things that don't mean, I mean, true. Most of Batman's rogues gallery are not true metahumans. They're, you know, it's mostly like kooky, characters like the Joker and the Riddler who are, you know, insane and brilliant at the same time, you know, Penguin is certainly never going to be confused with a metahuman, um, you know, Bane maybe, but that's just mostly because he's on super steroids. Like uh, it, what kind of seems strange to me is, is at no point in his 20 years on the job is Bruce kind of looking at the villains he's had to face going, you know, he's got that whole, if there's a 1% chance, you know, he goes, he goes into that whole thing, but there's a 99% chance that this guy could help you clean up the streets that you've been fighting for 20 years to do. Cause he's got abilities that you do not have that right. he can take on threats that you cannot. And, and I think you talked about it a little bit earlier. We missed so much in this film of the detective aspect of Bruce Wayne, of him researching and being the most prepared guy for everything. I mean, Bruce Wayne is, is typically written as a character who has contingency plans for his backups and he has backup plans for his contingencies. And we did not see that at all. We saw him routinely get outclassed, get outplayed. We saw that throughout and we saw him overextend himself. We saw him overestimate what was going on 
completely miss obvious things, go too fast when he should have slowed down and asked questions and gathered information. Uh, he jumped to conclusions way faster than he should have when he was the only person on planet Earth that was jumping to that conclusion. Um, we we really didn't see that aspect of the character. Um, and, and the other side of this, so Superman just decides because a couple of guys get branded with a bat signal that all of a sudden now that Superman is, or I'm sorry, that Batman is this, this super dark guy who terrorizes the poor. Like he, he works at a newspaper. He that's literally across the Bay. And I don't, and I don't know if I really love the fact that Metropolis and Gotham are literally across the river from each other. I'm not sure I love that, but that's minor, I guess. Um, but he works at a newspaper that would have at least covered some of this. The guy's right. been on the job for 20 years and you're going to tell me there was never a time that Joker had the whole city hostage and Batman came in to save the day. Like he, he has no frame of reference that Batman is actually a hero that has saved countless people that has stopped countless terrorist attacks from, from going off. Like there, there are reasons for not trusting or liking each other right from the onset of this movie just do not make sense and do not work for me. Yeah. I mean the fact too, like when they're at the party, when they first meet at, the fact that he sits there and says, you know, Clark is standing there and he's like, who's that? If Gotham, because again, like in this timeline now, he's been Superman. He's been around. You guys cannot be separated by water and what looks like, I don't know, a two hour drive. Not even because you can like, I don't know how long it would take you to travel between both of them at normal speed. You cannot convince me that he doesn't know who the heck Bruce Wayne is. And it it's not like that line was put in for a laugh. Like Clark Kent doesn't know who Bruce Wayne is, but you guys are neighboring cities and he's probably the richest guy in, in, between both of your cities. So how do you not like, how do you not know him? I, I didn't like that part either. I thought that was extremely odd. Um, and then, but, you know, Lex Luthor knows um, this guy knows everything in this movie. He knows where you're going to be. He knows what you would think. He knows how you would fight. He, like, he knows how to manipulate the guy in the wheelchair. That's another thing. This Lex, and I don't have a problem how he portrayed Lex. That's not my issue. I just have a problem with he seems to know everything for the sake of the screenwriting. There's nothing about him that seems earned. Um, it is, it's, it's very lazy screenwriting. Um, you may not dislike uh, Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal. Um, I think that puts you in the minority. Uh, oh, it does. Of, um, <laughs> I, it, I don't have a problem with wanting to give us a different take on on characters we've seen before. Uh, I'm not positive who does the bulk of the uh, voiceovers for animated versions of Lex Luthor, but the guy who does most of the, uh, the voiceovers is fantastic. Um, I think oh, he's yeah. the same one that does a lot of the, 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 the guy who does all the Lego games. Um, and I think he does most of the DC animated stuff. He's fantastic as Lex. And I would have loved to have had him, you know, if he could have done it. Um, but if you're going to go a different direction, um, I've seen this uh, a lot online when, when in different reviews of this film, 
Um, there are people who draw direct correlations between um, what Jesse Eisenberg did with this character and um, what we saw Heath Ledger do with the Joker and, and feel as though he was trying to do too much of that. It, and it really, when you, when you hear that critique, um, it's very easy to, um, it's very easy to see that and go, it's almost one of those things. Once you've seen it, you can never unsee it now. Gotcha. I would have to, I'd have to really look at that um, because I thought some of his motivations for why he doesn't like Superman were actually pretty just. I felt that was one thing that did work in this movie because of his relationship with his father and thinking basically his father was end all be all. And it seems like there was certainly a lot of mental and physical abuse in his relationship. Um, but he says like, no mighty God came down to stop dad's hand to strike me or whatever. Again, the exact line is. And so he sees that in Superman, like, you know, if you're supposed to be this godlike character, this, you know, person, well, nobody came and saved me from when this terrible things were happening. So you're not going to come and save everybody. So, you know, if he's all powerful, he can't be all good. I really like that philosophy. Um, but yeah, I, I, Rob, like you said, I know I'm the minority where I don't mind his mannerisms for portraying Lex. Again, it's just a lot of the things that happen is lazy screenwriting. It doesn't seem like he's earned being as smart as he's made out to be, um, especially for a guy who somehow gets a mason jar into a court hearing with Granny's peach tea. Like, I, I don't know. I've never been inside a government building with a huge meeting before. But, Rob, how would that even make it past security? Like, somebody wouldn't recognize that on the desk and be like, that's weird. We didn't authorize that. Like, I mean, why would that? I, I guess the same way a guy in Buffalo Horns gets through. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <you're... laughs> it's all painted up. I mean, that seemed to work. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's. You couldn't be more accurate though about how there's just things that happen for the convenience of the plot. You know, when I, when I see him on screen, I just see him as a hyperactive weirdo, and I just get annoyed when I see him. His metahuman theory of the gods among us, I think, is interesting, but I just overall, I just really, you know, I just don't like this interpretation. You know, it's. If you want criminal geniuses to appear, um, usually there's got to be there's got to be something sexy about them, you know. Like there's something they're smarter than everybody, but there's a there's a charisma that they have that this guy just doesn't. Like I just want to push him into a locker is what I want to do. I want to <laughs> give him a wedgie. I want to push him into a locker and tell him to shut up. Like I just most of the time when he's on when he's on screen, um, I just can't handle him. Um, now you fast forward to that post credit scene we got with justice league where Deathstroke shows up and for whatever reason, he's changed his way. He's, he was portraying himself there that I would maybe be interested to see if he carries that a little bit further. Um, but yeah, I, um, I, yeah, you had some great stuff there about, um, you know, the, the history of abuse and living up to his father's expectations. Uh, some of those things, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I fully buy into everything. I'd mostly buy into why he doesn't like Superman. Um, 
but there's just a lot of convenience uh, for the sake of the plot that just when you have when you stop and ask a question or two, it just doesn't add up. Right, exactly. And, you know, I just again, like things that don't add up is there's absolutely no reason. Again, this is as of right now, as we know in this world, this Superman is the most absolutely powerful, most powerful person on the planet. And he's made to look like an idiot because, again, I'm sorry, how does he get manipulated by Lex to fight Batman? Um, oh, uh, hang on, because he's got his mother captured. But the guy who is faster than a speeding bullet can hear everybody. He somehow wouldn't be able to find her without going and being like, oh, yeah, I got to fight Batman again. It's just it's the weakest motivation for these guys to fight. And, you know, Rob, you say you don't, you know, Batman's motivations, but Superman's motivations are even weaker in my view as to why he would even entertain the idea of fighting this guy. It, you know, in, in different periods of the comic, he's, he's identified people just based on their unique heartbeat that he can hear. And, and if you want to say, well, that's not how he's been represented here. Um, later in this film, when Lois Lane is drowning, he can tell, he can hear her heartbeat and he goes and he finds her based on that. Like they don't even bother to try to cover the room in lead or anything like that. Or even, you know, it's just a, it's just a shack. It's like a, it's a, an abandoned yeah. warehouse. Like, <laughs> there's, they don't even attempt to do anything that you go, Oh, okay. I can, I can see why you would do that. Like that to me is just, um, you know, that's just not being respectful to your audience. To, like it just doesn't make sense. Like the guys, like you said, faster than a speeding bullet. He has x-ray vision. He has super hearing. He would be able to hear his mother's whimper and know that that was her get into the room and he could use his x-ray vision to find her, use his laser vision to fry out the firing pin or whatever it was that they were holding her hostage with, get in the room, punch everybody square in the nuts and grab his mom and be out the door before anybody even knew what happened before the first bout of pain even hit. Um, it just doesn't make sense. It, it, you mentioned the warehouse though. It does lead to another kick ass Batman scene. Um, when he just goes through those goons in the warehouse, uh, very much Arkham Knight fight style. Um, for anybody who's listening to this review that has played the the Arkham video games, his fighting style in this for Batman is so on point. And that's another thing is that's another scene that Batman just steals the show because at least the warehouse scene is entertaining because and in the ultimate edition, there's more of it. He just beats the crap out of these guys. That scene is fun. Um, there is, uh, I'll call it the Bat Max scene before, um, where he's kind of in a dream sequence a little bit. Um, it's bad. Um, thank God, because otherwise, it is to me is indefensible. I mean, the the choreography in it does not work. It's. I, I just, I go, oh my God, this is so bad. Why, how did this make, how did this make the cut? And then what's interesting is there's almost like a flashpoint sort of Easter egg. You know, mm -hmm. he, he kind of wakes up to, to somebody trying to tell him something 
and then wakes up a second time, um, it would be a shame if that never gets paid off on. You know, it would be a shame if through all of the ups and downs we've had with the DCEU and, you know, actors are not coming back ever. They're done with the characters. They're done with the series. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. You know, maybe we're getting a Flash movie. Maybe we're not. Uh, maybe we're just going to continue on with the characters that kind of did well in their solo films. Um, <laughs> you know, there's just no way to know what's actually going on. Um, it would be a shame if that never got paid off on what that actually was. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things we're going to, you know, hopefully maybe see with the Snyder cut, because one thing that he's been clear on is he he still made the movie that he wanted, even though it's been said that some of his some of his movie does not line up with what we've seen from, you know, like the Wonder Woman sequel, Aquaman, things like that. Uh, so it'll be interesting. This that's another discussion because we're going to review that movie. But I think there's going to be a lot of hmm. Well, where sh- like what do we do now? Where should this go based on what the reaction is going to be to the Snyder cut? And do they need to pull another fork in the road and say, boy, we got to go back in this direction because the DCEU has flip-flopped on what they're going to do. Is their universe connected? Do they care about having three different Batmans in circulation? So, but again, that's another conversation. Uh, this is, you know, that's another very long conversation with a long movie that's coming out. But I do, I want to bring up, and I mentioned this, Rob, that you said there's a lot going on in this movie. Death of Superman. There is trying to create, uh, you know, this movie is titled Dawn of Justice. And. I found it funny from day one and the more and more time that passed, um, you know, so Lex Luthor knows everything. He knows Clark Kent is Superman. He knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. We get a look at Aquaman. We get a look at Flash and we get a look at Cyborg and Lex Luthor with the drive that they stole from him has video files of all of these characters and it's a tiny thing, but it just makes me laugh. Who decided what the symbols were for these characters? Cause this is a Lex court file. So Lex Luthor in his infinite time that he has decided that like it's again, it's just so lazy to me how they incorporate these other characters and then say, yep, because you know who they are, care about them. But to me, it comes off as insulting that someone would have made these file images for these characters. I don't know if I'm nitpicking, but it just it's something that's always bothered me and now just makes me laugh of it's so to me, it's just outright stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, you can clearly imagine Lex going down to some intern graphic designer and be like, hey, um, take a look at these videos that I got and come up with something that'll that'll be the icon for that folder if I whenever I go to click on it. Like make me a logo or you're fired. <laughs> yeah, um, and don't tell anybody, you know. Um, 
yeah, it's um, it does seem a bit weird. Um, but you think about other weird stuff, you know, that just exists for the point of this movie. You know, you go back to the the party scene uh, that we had talked about earlier. Um, you know, Lex comes over and he's and he and his, his exact quote is, "Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent. I love bringing people together." That's a stupid line. Like that right. line makes absolutely no sense. Like. A billionaire meeting a guy, and and really, in as far as we've seen, Clark Kent is not like you know a hard hitting journalist. It sounds like he gets put more on like sports and puff pieces, and he doesn't really seem to get assigned to the big stuff the way Lois Lane does. So like, what, like that that whole thing would just seem stupid and forced only for the simple fact that we already know that these characters are Batman and Superman, and, and it's just it comes across and it's so lame, and then. He goes and shakes hands and he says, strong grip. You should not pick a fight with this person. Ugh, it's just so on the nose and lame. Like there's so much of this that it's just bad. And then right after that, we get the day of the dead scene and, and they're all like, you know, Superman saves the, the girl from the burning building or whatever. And, and there's all of these people like crowding him in this very much built only for a camera shot for a movie kind exactly. of look that like people don't actually crowd around in real life that way. Like it's just the movie really starts to fall apart. I think there's, there's interesting things that happen. And as I was sitting there doing my rewatch on this, I was like, I started off the movie going, why did I not like this so much? Like, yeah, this doesn't really make a lot of sense, but like, why exactly did I not like this? And then from about that point onward, I start going, Oh yeah, that's dumb. That's dumb. That's lame. That doesn't make any sense. This is stupid. And it just, the hits keep coming from right about this point, at least for me. Yeah, no, it, it really, you know, in the beginning you can look past some of these things, but yeah, it, once it starts going downhill, there's really not a lot to save it. And again, there's a couple things in between, like again, the the actual introduction of Wonder Woman. But you know, even that, aside from her op- you know, aside from her, the fight, and we can get into this character, when all three of them team up, it doesn't you know, again, it doesn't seem earned. So it's just like, okay. Um, yeah, it's cool to see the Trinity together, but again, you know, we got that in 2012 with a 360 spin around of the Avengers that brought heroes together way better than this movie did. So regardless of the fact of again as fans like oh we know these characters this movie doesn't i I just have to keep coming back to it it doesn't earn anything none of the moments feel earned none of the moments feel like they would bring in a casual viewer because there's no reason to care at all even the the death of superman in this movie i I did i don't know rob did you care at all like i didn't i I was like yes so like who who cares Um, what what am i supposed to feel for this did i care nope um no i didn't and that's bad that's not a good sign (laughs) right um so you know what a touch base on you know you talked about the 360 camera view in avengers that we got in in the 2012 film um i'm positive people who listen to this show know exactly what shot it is you're talking about. I know exactly what shot that is. It is iconic. 
It is well put together. There's, it's a perfectly scored moment. The music that's chosen and the, the beats that are hit at that moment, the buildup to that scene, it resonates. Nothing in this film resonates. They're trying to make you care about characters that haven't, to, to the way you phrase it, haven't earned uh, the audience's care. You know, Superman dies at the end. Did you believe for one second he was actually dead? I mean, no, for, they, for one second. Well, they couldn't even, again, not to sit there and say like, oh, don't insult our intelligence, but you couldn't even leave it as the fact of like, he's dead. You had to show a scene of the the dirt on the grave rising. Like, you and couldn't that's even, not even how he came back. Right. Like, <laughs> you couldn't even have enough integrity to just bury him and that be it plain and imagine sim- like plain and imagine sim- imagine an alternate dc extended universe where this movie is the fifth or sixth movie you know the conflict between these two characters is the fifth or sixth film um we've already had a justice league we've already had enough solo films to establish who these characters are and why we should care about them and who they are um they do this we get a true death of Superman, you know, how much better would that have worked? How much better would that have felt if, if there had been any kind of setup instead of just, and look, this is a three hour movie when you get to the extended cut. And yet it seems like everything was still rushed. How do you make a three hour movie that rushes the important emotional beats? How does that happen? Like, how do you do that? It's, they, they do the death of Superman, which is an iconic storyline in the comics, but you know, immediately it's being undone. Like there's absolutely no chance that they leave that character in the ground, but imagine a film series where he stays dead for two or three DC films. And we have to see the world react to it. We have to see some villains who are very powerful kind of pop off a little bit. And now all of a sudden Diana and cyborg and Batman and whoever else we get at that point have to figure out a way like we have to pull, you know, we, we can't rely on the weight that Clark was pulling. We have to now find ways to overcome this. You know, maybe you get Supergirl in there or something like that. I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing ideas out, but you get two or three films without him. And then he makes the comeback. Um, you know, that whole return of Superman where you've got, you know, cyborg Superman and the eradicator and, and steel and some of those really interesting characters and, and Superboy, And then you get the, the black costume and things like that. Um, I would have much rather seen that it would have been much more compelling. Um, it felt like whoever was making the decisions at, at Warner brothers or DC, wherever these levels of decisions were made, um, they saw the success Marvel was having. And that, that they could basically just, oh, hey, look, there's a new MCU film. And, and they just back up a dump truck full of money. And that's the box office. Like, it's just, right. it dumps it all over. And they wanted to try to jumpstart what they were doing. They were too far behind. They never really tried to connect their characters together before. They'd certainly done a series of Batman films. Superman had been in a bunch of films. Um, they'd never really tried anything to this level. I mean, they, they had in an animated sense, but nothing live action. And they tried to jumpstart it with one film to try to pull all this together. And they, they even call it Dawn of Justice. So we know this leads into Justice League. And we know there is literally zero chance they're going to have a Justice League movie without Superman. Yeah, it's it's pretty disappointing. And 
you know, uh, okay. So you talk about the death of Superman and iconic and we get doomsday, uh, their version, which also too the marketing for this movie is odd because the last trailer now, Rob, I don't know if you remember this or if you even saw it, but you literally, the last trailer that they released for this movie, if you watch that, you know exactly what is going to happen in this movie. Even in the Ultimate Edition, you can say, okay, this is the beginning in the trailer. That's the beginning part of the movie. This is the middle, and this is the end. Like, to me, they, as bad as this movie can be, they cut their own legs out from underneath them with this final trailer when they release the movie because once the movie gets going, you're like, oh, well, everything in between what I saw in the trailer is literally filler. There's nothing of substance at all. And to me, that was another huge mistake that this movie made. But you waste Doomsday, and by the end of his transformation, he looks a little more in line with the character, and there's a good design there for part of it. But again, just... I don't know. Is that earned? Nope. It's just, well, let's throw it in there. Like we have to do something. Um, and you get him and I'll let you talk about that before we you yeah. know, get into something else here. That is just, I think is going to be the crux of why everybody was upset. Um, so yeah, they, apparently the way you make a giant creature like that is, is you take Kryptonian DNA and you cut your hand open and kind of squeeze it a little bit in Kryptonian water apparently. And, uh, and then it'll, it'll create an embryo of some sort that, that like grows really fast and gets really big, bigger than the Kryptonian guy. I don't know. Um, Why is there no security on this ship? I know he cuts (laughs) off Zod's fingerprints, but the computer calls him Luther. Like if you're that, If you're that far in intelligence, how do you even let this guy make Doomsday in the first place? Yeah, um, there was really no setup for why this makes like if you if you sat down and just had Zack Snyder sitting across from you and could ask him some questions. I don't even know that he would have answers for some of this. Like, well, we just needed to get Doomsday out there. Like you really didn't, though. Like, could this movie have been made and been better if you did not have Doomsday? That plot was completely out. It was something different. So anything could have been anything. It was a, a showdown with Luther. He doesn't even have to be in his green power suit. Like, it, but it would have been cool. Um, right. Like that would have been a million times better. You still kill Superman. If you really have to, I wouldn't have, but you still kill off Superman if you really want to. And you don't need doomsday. And he looks terrible. It makes no sense. He all of a sudden just starts releasing kinetic energy for some reason. Like it's just, it's, it was great is there's a line from Anderson Cooper in a cameo. It says, it's not clear what just happened. <laughs> yup. Yup. Hey, Anderson, by the way, it's not just the characters on TV. It's those of us sitting in front of our TVs as well. It's not clear what just happened. Like you could, you could say that through a good bit of this abomination from the Hulk movie looked better as doomsday than doomsday did as doomsday. And even when he kind of, gets more of like that crystalline diamond form. It, it, it just, it looks bad. I, I don't like the either character design, you know, the first generation or, or kind of the, the evolved one. Um, it, it looks a little more like what I want, but it's 
really bad and they cover up a lot of it by sh- by having that scene at night with rain and stuff like that but it's still not good yeah rob do you think anybody listening uh is it believable that like the Snyder cut is my most anticipated movie of this year? Because, <laughs> because I don't think if you're listening, it would sound like I'm actually excited for like the Snyder cut <laughs> of justice league, but you, you know me and you know how much I have been um, yeah, dying. You for are this. just as responsible for it as I think anybody and, and believing in it. You're the only person I know who ever believed it would happen. And I doubted it up and, I will probably still somewhat doubt that it's happening until I finish watching it. Right. Because I just, <laughs> it's so unprecedented, but I've gone through a wide range of thoughts and emotions um, inclu- on the Snyder cut, including my rewatch of this film um, watching, you know, hearing that Joss Whedon came in and reshot a lot of it. I was thinking to myself, Oh boy, it must've been really bad knowing that this film was not well regarded. Right. Um, knowing that Joss had done Avengers and done very well. Um, so for Justice League to still be terrible, even after knowing that a, a guy who has the pedigree to do this sort of thing came in, tried his best to save it, couldn't save it. it wow, how bad must the original have been? Like that was, that's always been my prevailing thought around it. And then you start hearing little things here and there about what the storyline was supposed to be. And the, and you see the black Superman costume and all of a sudden you hear it's actually happening. And I'm thinking, I'm still not sure it's actually any good, um, but they're willing to sink $60 million in to finish it. There's some reshoots and there's some debate about how much reshooting was actually done. According to Snyder, it's just that one nightmare scene with Jared Leto. Um, you know, so you start thinking like, okay, is a studio going to sink this much money into something that's never going to go anywhere if they don't think there's something to it? Um, So I start thinking maybe it's going to be good. Like I've gone up and down and then you start hearing very recently, no, no guys, this actually is really good. And that's what you and I have been hearing for the last several days. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe this could actually be really good. Even though we've heard from Warner brothers executives who have said, it's terrible. It's, it's really a waste of money. We're not doing anything else like this ever again. So then I go to sit down. I'm like, okay, well, I've not seen the ultimate edition of Batman V Superman Dawn of Justice. Let me see what Snyder's true intention was. And I sit down and it's bloat. It's a three hour movie. I'm about to watch a four hour movie later this week. And, and now I'm going, ugh. Geez, when you when you just give <laughs> Snyder the keys to the kingdom and just let him do his thing, it's still not a very good movie. So, um, I that's my that's sort of my description of my roller coaster of thoughts and emotions on the subject of the Snyder Cut, uh, and I'm sure you've got many more. Yeah, uh, you know that'll be an episode that is going to be very interesting. But again, that's that's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about Doomsday. We talk about Lex's plan. We've talked about a lot in this. And one other thing that we haven't touched on yet, which was just like you said, it has been meme to death. It has. I have had. I have heard people argue for like I have seen people that argue on the merit that this makes so much sense. It's like if you don't understand why Batman would change his thought process, you don't understand the character and you don't get the direction. And sure. I will be that person. I will say right now, I have zero 
zero tolerance or zero understanding of how the name Martha and Rob, you don't agree with Superman's reasons for disliking Superman, but no matter how you feel about why he thinks Superman should be taken out, I am sorry. A name is never, ever, ever going to change that. You cannot convince me otherwise. Uh, Every time I see it, I just go, how did this get filmed? So there's a lot of people that have to go into making a film, right? There's your executive producers, you know, you've got your studio, you've got your screenwriters, you've got people on set, you've got your director, um, you've got the people that the director listens to and gets advice from, and you have actors who have been in Hollywood for a very long time. Um, and somehow save Martha still, still manages to make it through all of those people and, and make it onto screen. And, and an editor sat in a booth and looked over at Zack Snyder and said, you sure this is what you want? Like, I'll play it back for you. Like, let's, let's run this through a couple times. Does, does this look stupid to you at all? Does this make no sense to you? Cause I'm kind of getting a no sense vibe. For, for me, like you show it to test audiences and they didn't completely laugh it out of the theater. Um, like, why would he even say it in the first place? Like, there's no rhyme or reason to like, oh, he knows Batman's name. Like, it, it's not like they show anything like, oh, Bruce's mom's name is Martha. Like, he didn't even know who Bruce Wayne was. So it's not like they show him finding out what happened to his parents. Like. I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want your thoughts on this to evaluate further. Further, why would he even say that line? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Like no. you're about to get stabbed with a Kryptonian spear, and you're like, "Oh, you're letting him kill Martha? Who? Who? Martha? Who? What? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, it does. It just doesn't make any sense. Like Matt, you and I have known each other for several years now. I don't think I know your mom's name, and I'm pretty sure I've never told you my mom's name. Like it just. Yeah. It doesn't like. What would that even matter? Right. Like, these two guys are <laughs> right. fighting, and he says, "Save Mar- Martha." Who? How do I? What does that mean to me? Like, right. What does that even mean? He would have been better off their dogs having the same name because I know you know my dog's name. Like, your dog's name is Dax. Yes, <laughs> I know your dog's name. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, you would have been much further ahead if uh, if you would have said my first dog's name to me from when I was a kid. Like, I would have actually stopped for a second. But wait a second, why'd you say that name? Like, right. like now I gotta know. Like, hold you on. just saved like, yourself, buddy. Yeah, there's like two or three cats I had growing up that if you would have said that name, I'd been like, wait a second, why did you say that name? Like, that's that's <laughs> a little weird to me. Um, but it's so yeah the guy who's currently stabbing a piece of of kryptonite into you all of a sudden now you're going to negotiate with him hey after you're done killing me i get it you're gonna you're gonna take me out that's fine you go ahead go ahead and finish killing me when you're done if it's not too much trouble on your way home do you think you can save my mom it would really mean a lot to me (laughs) i'll be dead i won't be able to care but if you could do that you'd really be doing me a solid bro like there. I had actually read something somewhat recently. Um, People had interviewed Zack Snyder and they were kind of asking him to talk about the backlash to this scene in particular. And I think he's probably, my read on it was basically just, he's gotten to the point now where he's sick of, of having to answer for it. And he's just like, yeah, some fans didn't like it, you know? Oh, well it's uh, yeah. And that's his just very blah about it. Like, yeah, 
It was a scene I wrote. Some people didn't like it. Oh, well, like that's, that's kind of like, he doesn't even try to defend it anymore. Like he doesn't go into depth on, well, actually, if you really think about it, like he doesn't even try to excuse it at this point. Um, I literally, you could do a whole episode, I think on save Martha and, and why it's bad and why it's stupid. It makes no sense. But yeah. here's the problem is though, not only is it stupid, but then they go through and they, they hit you over the head with it so many more times. So like, just in case audience, you didn't catch that both of these guys' moms are the same. We're going to say it 800 more times and just smack you over the head repeatedly. Martha, 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 like over and over again. They're totally the same name. You guys, <laughs> their moms right. are the same name. Like, holy cow. Did you catch it yet? No, here it is again. How about now? Right. And and, it, yeah. It's terrible. And we get, again, we get the flashback of, you know, his parents being shot. Um, Cause you know, that's what's going on. So, Oh man, that scene. Oh, it's just, <laughs> I think honestly. And when we talk about the DC EU as a whole here at the end, I think that this might, I think that might be the most, like that's probably my worst thing about the DCEU is that scene right there. I think everything else they've done pales in comparison to how bad that is. That's how much that does not make sense to me and is just the, again, to me, absolutely the laziest way that you had their conflict ended because again i don't know instead of saying like when they're fighting which we didn't even talk about that because again it's just like i don't know it's not even cool to me like once you get through it and you get through the garbage it's just like you forget all about the fact like oh yeah we got to see batman and superman fighting each other for about in the ultimate edition i think like eight minutes and 56 seconds why did he just say when he flew down instead of saying like, stay down. If I wanted it, you'd be dead already. Why didn't you just be like, look, I know you're Bruce Wayne. He has my mother. He wants me to fight you and kill you. I'm not going to do it. Let's get him. Why, why would Superman terrible. even, why would Superman even fight him? He has no reason to. And on top of that, you notice tactically, he makes every mistake you could possibly make. If you're somebody who's Superman, you can do pretty much anything. Like if you really wanted to fight Batman, you just pick him up and you just yeet him into the sun. Like you just, you just throw him in outer space. Like he's a human. He's got no abilities beyond that. I just chuck him right in outer space or throw him in the deepest, darkest part of the ocean. He's in heavy armor. He'll die like immediately. Like it's like, it's so insane that it's even close, but for him to even get close enough, he keeps walking up to Bruce and getting in the range of what Bruce can actually do with his handheld weapons that he makes himself. Like he just keeps making every mistake you could possibly make and not even regarding Bruce as somebody who's pretty smart and and has a plan for this, which talking about things that don't make any sense. So right at the beginning of this, as he's laying all his traps, he takes the spear and he shoves it in the ground in a random abandoned building, like, Four buildings over from where the fight starts. Because I know where the. (laughs) How does he know? How does he know that's where it's going? 
Right. It's that's so it, stupid. The trajectory of the fight takes any other turn, and well, I'm screwed. But somehow your one they... weapon you have to kill for sure your enemy. I'm just gonna plunk it in the ground and hope we end up here. What? Right. Yep. And then let's not forget. You know, again, like with with this weapon. Again, just lazy screenwriting so Lois can be, you know, Lois can be in the picture to have screen time. And this is nothing against her. Um, I think she was really good in Man of Steel. She takes a huge, to me, uh, step back in the next two movies. So this and then Justice League. It'll be interesting to see if she has more of a role in the Snyder Cut. But... Let's throw the spear into the water just so she's relevant again in 10 minutes. Like, again, for a a MacGuffin for Superman to be like, oh, no, Lois is in trouble. I have to go away from the fight. So there's a reason why, you know, Batman and Wonder Woman have to be involved. And she never even knows that she needs the spear again. I, I And maybe I missed something, but at no point is anybody like, hey, Lois, you still got that spear? No, you chucked it in the water? Could you go get it? Right. Like, no, I. It never I, happens. Yeah. Even the ultimate edition, I don't. I don't pick up on anything that would indicate why she even goes back in the first place because she's not. If I can picture everything, and again, we just watched this, she's not around any conversation that Bruce has because Bruce mentions it, but she's not anywhere close enough to understand what's going on. She's just not. So unless she inherited super hearing, there's no feasible reason why she goes back after it. There's no feasible reason why most of the back half of this movie happens. I mean, if you think about it, you fast forward just maybe to like the midway point, the apex of the third act of this film is a Senate hearing. Like Mm -hmm. from, from just before then on, nothing really makes sense. It's almost like it's almost like two different people wrote this film. Is is really what it's like? Somebody started it, but didn't tell the other person like what the plan was, and the person who wrote the back half of the movie didn't know what the front half of the movie looked like, and they just kind of put their notes together and okay, that's good enough. Let's shoot it. Right. I, I will say one thing about that Senate. Um as ridiculous as a lot of that scene is to me, there is one part that I like, and that's where, you know, she turns it around and it says granny's peach, uh, peach tea, which is stupid, but seeing Lex not be there. And to me, you can see it on his secretary or his, whatever she is to him, because you can tell that they're close. Like, He's savage. He is willing to achieve his goal and he's going to sacrifice her. And to me, you can see that look on her face that when she's like, he's not here. um, I think you can tell right on her face that she's like, oh, crap, I'm screwed. Uh, I like that it showed him being so savage that he doesn't care who he loses in his inner circle as long as his goal is going to be met as ridiculous as his goal seems about how we got there. Um, I do like that aspect of the hearing that it just shows how far he's willing to go and who he's willing to lose to accomplish what he needs to. And I'm never really sure 
what the senator's goals are throughout this. I feel like I'm a little bit confused on is she pro Superman? Is she anti Superman? And and what's very strange, and, and you talked about this a lot in our review of the Justice League, you know, the theatrical <laughs> release of Justice League. Um, you know, there's this there's this funeral, everybody's in mourning for Superman, um, which isn't really earned it doesn't really make a lot of sense because there were certainly people we in this film that were very anti-superman and you think about right before this even starts there's people burning a superman in effigy you know there's there's all of these people um that are demonstrating against superman and and that's even before the bomb goes off right um certain and then not only that Anybody who disliked him from the Zod fight, um, man, that Doomsday fight certainly took out a lot of stuff too. Um, it, it makes that scene even worse, really, when you when you look at um, just public opinion and not and people wouldn't change instantly, you know. Uh, and Bruce's change of his feelings of of Clark changed so fast, like all of a sudden because they their mom has the same name now. He's like, oh my bad, bro, sorry, um, that'll heal, right? You know, like. <laughs> Um, and, and then they're, and then they're, and then they're boys like just that fast, like, whoops, I just save Martha. Oh God. Like this is literally the, you know, you said it's a low point of the DCU. I'm going to take it a step further unless you can think of something else. I'm going to say that is the worst decision in the history of superhero films. I'm going to call save Martha a worse decision than putting nipples on the bat suit in Batman and Robin. I went there. I said it. I said what I said, Matt. I said it. I, is it worse than Catwoman with Halle Berry and her grinding on a teacher in front of students? Um, I've never seen that film, and I'm okay. not sure that I have a reason to. That's uh, that's actually le- now. <laughs> that's a legitimate clip. That's a legitimate clip where she plays basketball with a police officer in front of children and they're literally like dry humping each other on the basketball court. And in one scene, he lifts up his shirt to like fan his abs down to. Yeah. Um, So but you haven't seen that scene. So I I respect your opinion on why this (laughs) is the worst thing to happen. Yeah. you that know. sounds like a bad scene. Uh, yeah, it's, sure. it's, it's pretty bad. Um, at least the bat nipples, when you look at the DVD extras and you hear, at least there's actually, like, there's a reason behind why he did that. And although it's stupid, at least his reasoning makes sense. This makes no sense why this would be the catalyst to be like, yeah, we're done fighting, but I've... I've said enough on on, <laughs> I'd, on, I'd, on that. I'd like to just take a second and acknowledge that you are the only person I know who would have watched the DVD extras on Batman and Robin to begin with. Oh, and God, secondly, I love it. <laughs> and secondly, you would have watched the one specifically on costuming and remembered the fact that they talked about the decision to include bat nipples on it. You're yeah. the only person I know, Matt. It's just you. Rob, these I have the Blu-ray special editions for all four of those movies, and that commentary on Batman and Robin is fantastic because everybody that gets interviewed craps on that movie like it's no tomorrow. Like nobody has a care in the world to be like, this thing sucks. 
we're sorry. Filming it was terrible. Doing press for it was terrible. <laughs> like it honestly is such a great laugh to watch those extras. And I've never seen somebody rip on a movie as much as the entire cast rips on the movie. But yeah, it's it's great. Um, I actually will watch that of my own accord just to watch it. Cause it's so funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think you're alone on that one. Yeah, I, I might be. Um, so, so I, I mean, what else is there to say about this movie? Because I think we've hit on all of the, you know, I think we've hit on all of the points of what's, good and it certainly was not a lot what is bad there certainly was a ton and what we've talked about the movie ends you know the movie ends on this ridiculous like we talked about cliffhanger of he's dead but oh look the uh, the ground moved with the coffin everybody's all of a sudden super sad that he's dead but there's no there's no transition scene where it's like, hey, he wasn't responsible for the Capitol bombing. There's just nothing. And it's even further intensified, like we talked about in Justice League, how it's like, wait a minute, how trust me, all of these people don't care that he's dead. Like, there's just no way. Um, yeah, I just I don't understand any. I don't understand anything about this movie. Um, you know, I said it before, but it just really in a three hour movie, how did so many things feel so rushed? Um, there was way too much that they were trying to do. If you think about all of the elements that were were happening in this film, it should have been at least three or four separate films to tell the story they were trying to tell. Um, certainly the Snyder Cut of Justice League at, at four hours long is like three films almost right there. Um, and originally I think we were supposed to get four one hour segments and then no, they said, Correct. no, we're just doing it all as one. Um, I would like to get into some of the differences between the ultimate edition and, uh, the theatrical release, because I'm, I'm sure there's people listening right now that have probably not gone back to watch the ultimate edition. Um, right. because if you're experienced with the theatrical release, if you saw it in theaters, if you rented it or bought it on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever the case is, um, you've probably not gone back to rewatch this film because I mean, really, why would you, um, in starting at the beginning, we had talked about the, um, the scene that takes place in Africa. There's quite a bit that's extended to that. Um, we do find out that the cameraman is Jimmy Olsen, which I don't believe that was actually included in the theatrical release. Um, and there's a lot more in this that add, it, it does actually add to what's going on. It does make Superman, um, you know, it, it does give you an understanding of why those bodies are burned. Um, it makes a whole lot more sense there. Um, I, I kind of wish they would have left most of this. Um, there's also that uh, a subplot with that other character um, that we see testifying later, blaming Superman. Um, it also includes her, you know, her murder, basically, um, yeah. by Luther's goons uh, to kind of, you know, tie up loose ends and things like that. Um you know, I, I really feel like this is one uh, one scene that should have absolutely stayed um, in the film. Yeah, no, I, I think, again, it still doesn't. To me, if you put 
any more thought into what happened, it wouldn't, you'd, you know, change your mind very quickly on, well, there's no way Superman did this, but at least it points you in a direction of, you can understand why in the beginning people would have thought that, well, Hey, Superman was there to save Lois. He killed these people. Uh, Again, I think with any just further investigation, it would be like, Hey, he didn't do this. But at least it explains it a little bit more. And I do think, though, the the subplot with her feeling guilty about testifying and everything, that is a good character moment. I think that adds some, you know, emotional weight to the film. I like that. And again, uh, Rob, we talked about this. You know, I understand when theaters were in style, so to speak. You know, Rob and I live in... New York state where, uh, you know, in Buffalo where things are closed, we can't go to movie theaters. I have friends that movie theaters are open and they've gone and see things in theaters. Um, and I understand that movie theaters want to hit a certain runtime and they want to get in so many showings that they can, but I'm always very confused as to a studio's decision to say, let's cut things out that deliberately make our movie confusing to the detriment of people that would go see it. And to me, even though it doesn't make it an incredibly better film, that's what this is. Rob is the studio purposely cuts things out that make the, a confusing film even more confusing, which is going to damage your audience in the first place. I I, I don't understand that especially when you're trying to use this film to jumpstart your connected universe. Um, You know, give us the things that we need to understand. So we maybe try to care about the things that happen later. Um, And and this is one of the ones, you know, that whole arc with her um, being cut. um, It's hard to understand it other than just simple runtime. And if runtime was really what you were worried about, um, I cut doomsday first, like do it when you can do it right. You know, do a whole film on Doomsday, not just shows up 20 minutes from the end of the movie and now he's your big bad. Like, ugh. Um, So many bad decisions throughout. Um, There are some additional scenes as well uh, when Clark Kent is still kind of uh, poking around, trying to understand Gotham a little bit more, trying to understand Batman. Um, You know, he's talking to some of these people in an apartment complex. I actually think this scene didn't need to be there. To me, it, you know it just made it stranger that Clark didn't, didn't know who, who Batman was. Like he works at a newspaper and, and still somehow didn't really have an understanding of who he was. Um, I didn't particularly find that scene to, um, to work really well. Um, another one, a little bit later on, he, he encounters the wife and son of a criminal that uh, got branded by the bat and then gets murdered in prison. Uh, which, by the way, the prison murder, I don't understand what the point of that was. Like, so you got beat up by Batman and you go to prison and people stab you for that. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, three quarters of the dudes in there got beat up by Batman. Like, so you just, you get stabbed for that. Like, that made no sense to me. I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. I didn't think it needed to be there. And um, the the scene of him uh, meeting these two was actually pretty bad. I, I think that whole, I felt like that whole scene was stupid. Um, Matt, did you like it or, or what did you think of those? No, I, I don't like it. Cause I feel like it further solidifies. I don't understand why Clark is so mad about Batman. I, 
you know, I guess like, okay, maybe you're branding them and he thinks that's taking it too far, but he acts like Batman's out there branding innocent people. Like he yeah. picked up a jaywalker and was like, no, you've got the bat brand. Like, no, these are <laughs> like rapists and murderers and people who push drugs on the streets of Gotham and kill. Like he's taking out bad guys. And yeah, like Clark acts like he's again, just taking run of the mill everyday people and destroying their lives. So I don't think this adds anything. I think it actually makes it worse that he would be upset with Batman to the degree that he is because it it paints this picture that Superman's like, Oh, Batman's the worst. And it, it, to me, yeah, it makes no sense. It's a bad scene. Um, But this also Rob leads into something that I will say it's weird that they cut out in the theatrical version because it speaks to Superman's character. If you know the character of Superman that after the bomb goes off in the Senate, he still sticks around to help people, even though there's probably a lot of people that want to go after him. You know, it just shows that like he does want to help people. So again, I don't know why that scene was cut out because I thought it once again, I thought it helped dive into the character of Superman. You know, like you said, the Boy Scouts, so to speak, and sometimes that gets boring, but at least it's consistent to what he's supposed to represent. Yeah, there's, um, I, I sort of like that. And actually for, from a strategy standpoint, I thought it looked good for him to try to be helping people so that it was less likely that he was, he was involved. Um, there's a phone call to his mother that happens right around there as well, that I believe is an addition uh, to the ultimate cut. I found it kind of pointless and it really made no sense. And to me, you leave that one on the cutting room floor altogether. It doesn't even make the ultimate edition. In fact, I think that just gets cut out of the screenplay and never even shot. I I just sort of felt like it was kind of pointless and an already long movie. Yeah, uh, I I don't like that scene either. I don't think it was completely necessary at all. Um, But another scene that I don't think is necessary at all because it comes out of nowhere and it's just like, again, it's it's. Oh, well, we're adding this and let's bloat this universe even farther I don't get anything from the reveal of Steppenwolf in the ultimate edition where he's got the mother boxes. I understand that it's relevant to what Lex says to Batman when he visits him in prison. But again, it's just, it's a weird transition how this scene actually goes where like all of a sudden, like these guards are coming in to take Lex away. And it's just like, Oh, um, who is this character? Cause again, uh, unless you're a fan, Rob, who the heck would know what's going on here? Like, I think you would just be confused. Um, I mean, I've seen justice league know who Steppenwolf is. And I was confused by this scene. <laughs> like, wh- why is this happening? How is he talking? What What's going on here? And where were those guards like 20 minutes ago? Like, you know, there's so much of this movie doesn't make sense that when you, when you do what we're doing right now and you try to take a bad movie that doesn't make sense and, and try to force it to make sense, it just kind of makes your head hurt. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, I do like the little... There's a little bit more about Lex pleading insanity and, you know, trying to get out of his sentence and going to prison. But we get that scene with Batman and Lex where he tells him he's going to go to Arkham, which, you know, could have been a huge thing for in some media, the Joker and Lex team up. And where is the Joker in this universe? And again, it's there's so many little things, but just so many because of how the DCEU turned out up to this point it's just there's so many wasted opportunities it's like someone saying oh you're drowning here's a flotation device but i poked a hole in it like <laughs> what <laughs> like I, yep. i'm not actually helping you at all and that's kind of what this movie feels like is again you know here you go but there's no substance like this isn't going to sustain you it's it's kind of a mess overall, and we sort of talked about it, you know, both with the Justice League episode and, and here that nobody's really sure what's going on. You know, the DCEU is dead, then it's back, and then, you know, people like certain aspects, and the Snyder Cut's happening, so now the Flash movie's back on, and, and all of these characters, that or these actors that said they were walking away from these characters, you know, Ben Affleck is back as Batman, maybe, you know, but then we'll also have you know, we'll have Batfleck and we'll have Battinson all at the same time in separate universes. And there's a Joker universe too. And none of it's necessarily connected, but they've said that they're just going to focus on making good films and not necessarily trying to make it tie together, which I think is disappointing because I don't necessarily need every single one of these films to tie together perfectly, but when they can make it work, as we've seen with the MCU, holy cow, what an unbelievable fan experience it is um, when when you have something consistent, cohesive, it makes sense. It ties together when appropriate, and you can get something like Endgame. We're never going to get an Endgame moment in in DC. It's just it's not going to happen. We will never feel the way we felt about a DC character dying the way we did when Tony Stark did. Just I don't see it happening. I don't no. see how it happens. My, my theater was. I... The first night I went to see it, my theater was dead silent. The second time I went to see it, I went with my two sons and uh, my mother as well. And I already knew what had happened, obviously. And when it, when the snap happens, I immediately turned over. And I'm not kidding. Like, again, this theater was just, it was dead quiet. Like, you, everybody was just like, I, and then you start to hear the sniffles and then you see people like rubbing at their eyes. And it was, it didn't matter who you were in that theater. Nobody wanted that scene to happen. And yeah, I, I just, I don't see anything that could happen in the DCEU that would get that sort of reaction. They've not set it up that way. Um, it maybe we could have gotten there, but this film that we're currently discussing should have been like three or four, at least um, spread out over a longer period of time. Let us get to know these characters. You know, there's, there's even a scene earlier in this film where they try to make this world feel lived in, which is typically something I like. I typically enjoy that, but they show you a Robin suit. Ha ha. The jokes on you. 
supposed to be building this world, supposed to be making you feel like it's fleshed out and it just falls flat. Like, yeah, we know Jason Todd was murdered by Joker and, and Zack Snyder's actually said, no, that wasn't Jason Todd. That was actually Dick Grayson, you know, the original Robin who would who'd go on and become Nightwing. Why that makes a difference, I don't know, because we're never going to probably get paid off on that actual moment. Um, it, there's just nothing that makes you really feel anything about these characters. It's too rushed. Yeah, Um hundred percent. I, I totally agree. Anything else you want to bring up about the differences? Because I, I think a lot of them for me, they still don't. The rest of the stuff still does not add anything for me. No, I think we've covered. Uh, I think we've covered everything we need to, as far as the, uh, the differences between the ultimate cut and the theatrical release. All right. So what we want to do here is we actually want to, at this point, Based on the fact that the Snyder Cut's coming up, we want to do our review here. So why don't we start with this movie and where we rate this, and then we're going to go over where these movies in the DCU rank on our list. So, Rob, Batman v Superman, um, just this movie alone, what is your rating for this movie? So out of five reels, this to me is one. Um, There is... Not a lot of reason to rewatch this um, unless there's something in the Snyder cut that you're like, oh, I wanted to see how that got set up this way, which I struggle to think of why I would watch a four hour movie and then need to rewatch a three hour movie. Um, There's so much that doesn't work. So many promising things that don't pay off. Um, This is this, you know, and save Martha. And then, and then do you bleed? You will. Oh my God. Just two terrible lines um that are just awful um it's it's one one reel out of five okay uh i actually give this as much as i bagged on this movie uh i give it two and a half reels and for me i think i was i'm still so anytime i see this i am still so captivated by Bruce Wayne's performance that a lot of this movie kind of doesn't matter because I still think about his performance in this movie. So I don't know how that translates to two and a half stars. That must just be how much I like Ben Affleck as Batman. But yeah, I give this two and a half. All right. So Rob, let's, let's go one for one here. We want to rank the DCEU. Where does your number one rank in the DCEU? What movie is number one for you? Number one for me is the uh, first Wonder Woman film that came out in 2017. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. Gal Gadot is great as Wonder Woman. Chris Pine is great in that movie. Um, and there's a lot to like. There's there's a lot of fun in that movie. You know, There's not a lot of films that take place in World War I. Um, it's, it's just, just so much fun in that. I, I know people, there are some people who actually don't like this movie, but to me, I think this is the, the best thing that DC's put out. Yeah, uh, I am going to agree. I think this is number one. And for me, it's not, I, I hold my number two pretty high. I, I think it's a very good movie. I won't say it yet, but to me, as of right now, 
it's still not close. I think by far the first Wonder Woman is the best effort from the DCEU. So, yep. yes, I, I totally agree. That is number one to me. I agree. All right. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to keep letting you go first and we'll go <laughs> back and forth here with where where we stand. Uh, so number two for me is Aquaman. Um, I think uh, in Justice League, Jason Momoa was was one of the highlights. I think uh, he gives us a different take on Aquaman. I think um, this, this his solo film. Um, I, I think they they write it very well. They they let him do what he does best. They play to his strengths. Um, they let him be kind of funny. They let, they let him be sort of you know just kind of a bro, but not in a offensive frat boy way at times um and it's i i really enjoy it i think it's a lot of fun yeah there's plot holes if you want to get into them um but to me i i really enjoy it there's not a lot of that movie that i i have problems with all right uh i'm going with shazam as my number two i Compare this movie to Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't think that this movie really had any right to be good. The trailer didn't look all that interesting to me when it came out. But for whatever reason, this movie for me works. I think also similar to Ant-Man. This movie has a lot of heart. It makes you root for the main character. You want him to succeed and do well. And... I really like it. I, Shazam is number two for me. So I have Shazam at three. And, um, you know, I, I could easily understand how, how somebody had it as even number one, possibly. If this was your favorite film in DC, it's understandable. You're right. It has heart. It has charm. Um, it It is very much like Ant-Man or even Guardians of the Galaxy, where the film was announced and you're going, wait, why? Like, they're doing a Shazam movie out of all of the films they could do. This is the one they chose. This is the next character they want to do as demanded by who exactly. Right. Um, but it, it works. It's, it's fun. Um, it's, it tells you an origin story that you're not bored with and it makes you want to see a sequel. Yeah. Uh, so my number three is man of steel. Uh, this is a movie. When I first saw it, I wasn't, it's not like I didn't like it, but I wasn't a huge fan going back and watching it. I do appreciate it a lot more. I think this is one of the things where definitely Henry Cavall shined as Clark and becoming Superman. I think there's a lot of positive story beats to this. I do like Kevin Costner um, in this role. Uh, Man of Steel for me is number three. So I have, uh, and, and I'll talk about Man of Steel when we get to it, uh, four for me is Suicide Squad, and I know it's not a good movie. I'm aware of that. There are <laughs> problems with this movie. I'm not going to try to defend it. Um, what I will, the reasons I enjoy it are it's, it's fun. Um, it's kind of quirky. It's, it's different. Uh, we've not seen this before. Um, I think Margot Robbie is fantastic as Harley Quinn. And when she is put front and center, this film works very well. Um, you can see where studio interference definitely made this a different movie than what it could have been. I think Will Smith as Deadshot is very good. Oh, um, he's good. 
Yeah, I think he's very good as Deadshot. It's a shame we're most likely not getting him back because I would have loved a solo film uh, with him. Um, you know, there's there's parts of this that if you just throw popcorn in your mouth and just watch it, it's a great time. All right. Uh, number four. So, listeners, Rob might be shocked here because we talked before this and after talking, uh, I have gone through and I actually kind of changed up my rankings thinking about Ooh. what we've talked about. There's some changes. So uh, this is going to show how much I don't like some of these other movies. Uh, <laughs> I actually at number four. Now I have Aquaman, which I actually mm. had as number six when Rob and I first talked, but I can go back and appreciate that. It was fun. I think there's some really poor CGI. I think the ending fight is way over the top and goes on for far too long, but at its core, I like the movie. I like the story of Arthur Curry and his journey. I think it's a good first effort. And the more I think about it, it made me anticipate a sequel. So that bumped up two spots for me because yeah, he he's got a really great on-screen presence and I appreciate him as a character. I believe him as a character. So I actually have bumped that up on my list to number four. I think part of the reason you dislike it was um, you don't like the movie Black Panther, which is weird because it's a great movie. Um, <laughs> and this is basically DC's version of Black Panther, but the protagonist and the antagonist are reversed. In DC, the outsider whose one parent came from inside and one parent came from the outside is is technically the rightful heir to the throne, doesn't necessarily want it, but comes back and has to take it as opposed to the Marvel version where the outsider who has one parent from the inside of this world and one parent from the outside is the usurper and is trying desperately to take it and is the antagonist. Um, it's got a lot of very, very similar beats um, between Black Panther and Aquaman, but um, I, I actually like both films a lot. Okay. Uh, what is your number uh, so that five? Was your so number five, I have Man of Steel. Um, I think it's... I, I think it's a perfectly fine movie. Uh, it's not something that I'm going to rewatch over and over again. Um, it's kind of a different approach to Superman. I can remember when this came out, I'm like, didn't we just have a Superman movie? Not that long ago. And we're rebooting it already. Uh, which is kind of the same thing. Every time we get a new Spider-Man movie, I'm like, didn't we just reboot Spider-Man? <laughs> like it kind of feels like that a little bit at times. Um, but I thought they were trying some things that were a little bit interesting and a little bit different. And I, I too liked Kevin Costner and I liked Amy Adams and, and I like Henry Cavall in this. Um, I, I like the cast overall of this film. All right. So here's where it gets interesting because this is going to show you how much I don't like the other movies. Uh, number five, after I just spent a good hour and 10 minutes bagging on it, Batman V Superman, Dawn of justice. Um, I, I'm not going to go into any further reasons because I think my time explained would be for why I can't <laughs> stand the other nominees on my list. So uh, number yeah. six, Rob. So we still have four movies to go in a movie. We just spent at least an hour and a half talking about everything that doesn't work is, is, <laughs> is number five. And we have four to go. Uh, number six for me is justice league. Um, we, if you want to know why it's not a good movie, I've let all of my thoughts know on our recent episode that we recorded uh, together not long ago. Yep. Uh, number six for me. Uh, again, this is a shift. Uh, Suicide Squad. All right. It's fun. Uh, uh, thinking about Deadshot, Harley Quinn. Um, it's 
it's more, I guess, thinking back and talking about the DCEU. It's not so much more of a, oh, geez, I like this movie. It's just me rethinking about how much I don't like the other movies. So not that I like Suicide Squad anymore. I just got reminded of how much I cannot stand seven, eight, and nine. On my <laughs> so, um, yeah. Number seven. Number seven, uh, we intend to eventually record an episode on this. We've talked about it, uh, is Wonder Woman 1984. Um, this film was not good, but it should have been better to uh, adapt a line uh, from that movie. It's, um, there's really not a lot of reasons why this film should have been as bad as it is. Um, you, you see the casting. The casting is phenomenal. Uh, the performances are good. Um, it, it largely, um, the story is terrible. Um, it's, it's basically adapted from every Saturday morning cartoon you've ever seen ever. Um, but I'll, I'll save my, my teardown of it for when we eventually get a chance to record an episode on it. Gotcha. Uh, number seven for me is birds of prey. This is another one where it was ranked higher and talking and thinking. Um, it's a movie that I originally thought was better. It's got some great fight scenes. I like the creativity of how they, they fight in this movie, but in terms of the fact that this is supposed to be part of the bigger DCEU and that's how it was marketed. Uh, this is another movie that makes absolutely no sense. And I do not have enough time to go into why, but this movie is going to be number seven for me. At number eight, I have Batman V Superman uh, for all the reasons we just covered. Not a lot works. Uh, ben Affleck is great. Um, there's little bits here and there that you can you can uh, have that are that are pretty good, um, but largely it it does not work. All right, uh, number eight for me is Wonder Woman eighty four for a movie that I was anticipating for a movie that the original uh, well I shouldn't say the original it's not like this is a remake but the first <laughs> movie is number one on my list. This is about as disappointing as you can be. It seems like a break in character for Diana. I actually think she goes backwards and not that heroes can't go backwards in their story. Uh, this is another one where I will say some of it to me, like we talked about with Batman V Superman, it didn't seem earned. And the reason why I have it lower than Batman V Superman is because I cannot believe that the same person made the first wonder woman and made the second wonder woman because it's like two different movies to me. Um, so this one stings a lot more considering it's not like the director changed. So I was incredibly shocked by how much I did not like this movie. And Rob, I remember to just really quickly with this one, when we first watched it, I, I think we both said to each other, like, did you find yourself like, looping out of it at parts of the movie. Like there were times where I was like, Oh yeah, I'm watching this. Like I literally blanked during watching this. Um, about three quarters of the way into watching this movie, my wife and I just kind of looked at each other and be like, this is crap, right? <laughs> yeah, this is crap. Like this is, this is disappointing. Um, you know, I, I a lot of the reasons you said, I, I'm going to echo, you know, the first movie was so good and I have it ranked very high in my pantheon of superhero films, regardless of cinematic universe. Um, and you're right. All the creators are there. They didn't recast Wonder Woman. Like she's still there and she's still great in the role. 
Um, but so much of this is just not well thought out. And, and it's a shame because um, we need more female led characters in superhero movies. We need more of this. And for this movie to fall as flat on its face as it did, um, you know, is certainly a disappointment. Yeah. So that brings us to number nine. So number nine, the only thing left birds of prey. I cannot remember one single thing I like about this movie other than more Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, because I, I sort of like her as that character. I cannot really, I, I think you and McGregor's in this outside of that. I cannot right. remember <laughs> anything about this movie because it left that little of an impression on me. All right. Well, number nine for me is a movie we just reviewed, like you said. So if you want more of the thoughts on my number nine, which is Justice League, um, I I can't stand this movie at all. I think it's terrible. I think it's completely choppy. There's things that do not make sense from the end of Batman v Superman, which we got into that the tone of this movie, obviously we've talked about the changes that were made, but yeah, to me as a movie, again, I'm taking this as a whole as boy, this should be something you have just like Batman V Superman, which I have ranked higher. I'm willing to forgive some of it. This should just be an event. And this thing was a dud. Like this movie didn't even crack 200 million domestic. And anybody who follows the box office knows that 200 million domestic for the justice league should have been a home run. I mean, Batman V Superman did three, six, 367. This movie couldn't crack 200. Um, that just shows you how much this movie did not resonate with anybody. Even the fans. Um, wouldn't support this movie. So if you want to know more on our thoughts on justice league, obviously, like Rob said, we just reviewed that movie, but to me, that is number nine, hands down. It's the most disappointing out of the bunch to me. And it's sad. You know, we, we covered this a little bit with the justice league, but um, Batman, Superman, wonder woman are probably worldwide your three most recognizable superhero characters. Um, right. I would say they're probably more recognizable than even Spider-Man, those three by themselves. Um, and for us not to have more than, I mean, how many of these nine, how many would you actually call good movies? I, I would say three. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's a third, a third of their universe is actually good. A third is utter absolute dumpster fire bad. And the middle third is, uh, you know, <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's interesting, but you know, with this, it's certainly, again, Rob, you said your expectations have kind of, cause we talked yesterday and your expectations and well, not expectations, but your excitement level for the Snyder cut was pretty high actually. And now watching this and like you mentioned, um, well, you gave him the keys to the kingdom and, I don't think he added anything to the ultimate edition. And now we're getting a movie that's one hour longer than what we just watched. I think this is going to be very interesting and listeners, you know, we're going to be doing a episode of the Snyder cut. I can't wait for it. I think Rob, you're, you're still very much looking forward to being like, 
okay, let's just see. Uh, to me, it's all about, okay, whether it's bad or good, I'm just glad we're finally getting to see what the vision was supposed to be. If it's bad, oh, well, it happened. But I, I'm just one of those people that I need to see the vision seen through, even though we might not get anything from it. I just need to see what this movie was supposed to be. You know, if this is we've, we've never seen anything like this, where a film that's been out of theaters for this long is being re-released with the original director back with his original intent. Like we, this is so unprecedented. Like it's, uh, there's not even anything you could go off of in the history of film to be like, Oh yeah, it's kind of like this. Like this is just such a wild concept they're going with. And if for no other reason than it's never been done before, I hope it works. Like I hope it's really good. And then I hope we get the Snyder cut of like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and go back right. and find other movies that were <laughs> terrible and just release a Snyder cut version where they go back and reshoot some things and make it not terrible now. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a really interesting episode. We plan on filming that very soon after the release, which is this coming week here. Uh, this is the what, Rob, 16th? I just blanked. Uh, well, as we recorded, it's rolled over into the 17th, but yeah, uh, yeah. this, uh, we're on uh, Wednesday, the 17th. So in about 24 hours or so, uh, depending on, you know, when they decide to actually load it to HBO max, but, uh, at some point on Thursday, uh, we will be able to watch it. If you can sit for, f- if you have four hours of time to give to it. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting. So listeners, you know, this is going to conclude the Batman V Superman episode for Matt goes to the movies. You know, as always, Rob, thank you so much for for joining. Uh, You know, listeners, we've had um, a lot of new episodes coming out with WandaVision. We just did Justice League. Uh, We're going to be doing the Snyder Cut. Rob helped me do a video release for what's coming up. But one thing that I have seen is a lot more, and we appreciate it. Uh, We've seen downloads of older episodes, uh, specifically things like Revenge of the Sis. So, to listeners who have started, you know, for the first time or people who are getting more episodes, uh, interact with the show. We love it. The email is a abbreviation of Matt goes to the movies. So that email address is MM or sorry, MGTT podcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts on this episode, what you want to see and what you think of the movies that we've reviewed. We we love seeing the feedback. We love interacting. So keep those things coming and look forward to these these upcoming episodes because we have a blast doing them. So, you know, thank you very much. And Rob, you know, thank you to you as always for helping out with these. Anything you want to close out with? Um, I just, yeah, we, we certainly appreciate everybody who uh, takes a minute or two to download and, and hear our voices while they're driving to work, driving to school, mowing the lawn, doing dishes. If you're on the treadmill right now, you know, getting them gains uh, and, you're, and you're choosing this show to listen to, uh, we think that's pretty cool and we appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, everybody. This has been Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition. Look forward to Justice League coming up soon. Be safe. <laughs>